Lord Jesus this morning. What an amazing blessing he gives us, indescribable, incomparable. And I pray that because of those reasons that you adored him and many more traits of his that are just such a blessing to us, they are all we need. What a a blessing that is. As we continue this morning through the book of James, we know that we're in chapter 3 and we're going to finish out chapter 3 today. And we know chapter 3 opened with a challenge to teachers and a challenge to teachers to step up. And we talked about how a teacher is more than just me and Josh or the pastors or Eric or the pastors of the church. It's the Sunday school teachers. It's the counselors. It's the accountability partners. It's anyone who has an opportunity to speak truth to someone. As we look at this chapter, then we talked about the communication aspect of being a teacher, and he brought in the tongue and how important our communication is and how strengthening it can be and how it can tear someone down. And in talking about communication, I spoke a little bit about our actions and how we communicate through our actions. When our text this morning, as we finish out chapter 3, James is going to talk pretty directly about our actions and how they relate to wisdom and how our wisdom is displayed in our actions and in the things that we do. And that's what we want to look at this morning. We'll be looking at James chapter 3, starting at verse 13 and going through the end of the chapter, and we'll be listening to the audio, and I don't know if the scripture is going to be on the screen or not. We were having a little bit of difficulty, and that is my fault because I didn't get the audio to Daryl in time, but... Uh, please listen closely if the, if the scripture is not on the screen. If you have your Bibles, please follow along. And whenever you're ready, Daryl. Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Let's pray. Father, we come before you this morning, Lord. I thank you, God, again. I thank you so much for the scripture you've given us, Lord. And just how it so beautifully gives us a detailed description of your very nature, your very character. And how it gives us practical things of how to walk in a life of obedience, Lord, not to put a burden on us, but to give us an image of what walking in in obedience to you looks like and how you give us practical strength and and illustrations of how to do that, Father. We pray, God, this morning that you would guide us through this text, Lord, as we look at what the source of wisdom is, is, what wisdom is, and, and how it looks, Father. God, I just pray for our hearts and our minds to be open to the truth that you have for us this morning. I pray for your words to be clear through me, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, the first thing we want to look at is, what is wisdom? When you think of wisdom, what, what do you think of? And I went to, I just was made aware this week of the Webster's Dictionary from 1828. And 
I'd heard of it before, but I never looked into it. And as I looked into it, it brings definitions of words, common words that we use, and it even ties them back to Scripture, and it, it brings the spiritual definitions out. I actually have it in an app on my phone, so if you want to look up the Webster 1828 Dictionary, if you have a smartphone, or I'm sure you can find one in print somewhere, it, it was a blessing. I just want to give that little tip as a resource to you this morning. But as you look the word wisdom up in that particular dictionary, it says the right use or exercise of knowledge. And that lines up perfectly with James' description and introduction to wisdom here. He says, understanding, uh, let's see, he talks about the practical acting out of knowledge and of wisdom. And we can think about, you've heard this phrase before, I'm sure, that someone is book smart but has no common sense. They have all of the knowledge, the technical details of how to do something or how something works or how they're supposed to act, but they have no ability to act it out, no ability to make it apparent to others or to make it happen in their own lives. And in, his first ver- in verse 13, James says, to be wise and understanding. Understanding that he's talking about here is actually knowledge. Basically, it's just details. It's the step-by-step how to do something or just, just the information you need to accomplish something, the raw information. But we know that knowledge alone does not make us wise. Even if I can read a book that tells me how to be a chemical engineer and I can somehow absorb all that knowledge, that doesn't make me a chemical engineer, does it? Experience and learning and being an apprentice and making decisions, being able to make decisions based on that knowledge with things that come up, that's wisdom. Reading alone doesn't make us wise, does it? We can read, like I said, a technical book on how to be a chemical engineer. We can read the Bible from cover to cover multiple times. That in itself does not make us wise. It is a powerful tool to lead us toward wisdom. Absolutely. The the Scripture is unbelievably fruitful in, in this ability to affect our hearts through the influence of the Holy Spirit. But just simply reading the words doesn't make us wise. Degrees don't make us wise. I mean, uh, educational degrees. We have uh, doctors, we have nurses, we have teachers, we have accountants, we have people who have uh, education, secular educations in areas. Just the fact that they've ac- accomplished those, go- those tasks and they've received those degrees does not make them wise. I have an associate's degree in computer programming. That does not make me wise in itself. The reality is experience doesn't make us wise. We can serve in a field. We can do something for all of our life. That experience itself does not make us wise. Wait a minute. So what does make us wise? Well, wisdom is taking the knowledge that we have and applying it to life. Wisdom is knowing what to do and actually doing it. In John chapter 5, starting in verse 39, it says, We search the scriptures because you think through them you have eternal life. It is they that bear witness about me that you refuse to come to me that you may have life. By his good conduct, let him show his works. If he is wise, you will see it. 
You see, wisdom is a fruit, just like the fruits of the Spirit. And that's what James is trying to tell us this morning. If we truly have wisdom, it will be apparent in our lives. If we have true wisdom, if we have more than just knowledge, if we have the ability to apply the knowledge that we have, it will show. And he goes on to say in verse 13, in the meekness of wisdom. Now, I don't know how many times you've looked at that word meekness, and how many times have you heard it kind of interpreted as weakness? Kind of, it rhymes, but you think of someone as meek as being kind of just weak and, and kind of non-confrontational and unwilling to address things that need to be addressed. That's a, a wrong interpretation of that word. If you look at some other writings, and it's interesting, as they translated the Bible, they did look at some other writings like common documents in times of at other documents from the time of the Bible and to see how some of the Greek words and the Hebrew words had been used in those documents to kind of uh, determine a definition of the word. And if you look at the, 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 word, the Greek word behind meekness, there was a document that they found, a number of documents they found it, pertaining to the training of horses that this Greek word as the root of meekness was used in. And while reading those documents they were able to kind of uh, determine a more solid definition of meekness and understand what meekness is, and it was really eye-opening to me. The definition, basic definition of meekness is strength under control. So it's the exact opposite of weakness. It's strength, but it is strength under control. Again, we go back to the Webster's Dictionary and we look at meekness. It says, submission to the divine will. It's a life, not a weak life, but a strong life that is under control, that is submitted to the divine will, to the will of God. It is strength that is living a life of obedience to God. That is the definition of meekness. It is not weakness. The reality is meekness is a gentleness that comes from wisdom. Or it is characteristic of wisdom. You see, true wisdom is expressed in meekness. That shows itself through obedience. See, what we tend to do when we have what we think is the upper hand in something, in our flesh and in, 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 the, in nature, we want to kind of throw our weight around, don't we? Another term you may have heard sometimes is someone's like a, a bull in a china shop. It's often referred to someone who is kind of rough at the things they do. They get things accomplished, but they're just kind of, there's sometimes pieces to pick up after they get done. How many times have you seen someone come in to try to, quote unquote, speak truth to someone, and they come into a situation as an emotional bull in a china shop? They don't come in with an attitude of meekness. But they come in as one who knows what you need to do, and things would just be a whole lot better if you would just finally bear down and do what I'm telling you to do, and they try to basically bully you into submission. That's not wisdom. That's not meekness. That's intimidation. That's not love. And what we have when you do that, when someone acts in that way, they have truth. They may have truth. What they're speaking to the person may very well be truth. But it is not balanced with love. It is not in an attitude of meekness. It is not wisdom. Okay, so we know what wisdom is. We kind of define wisdom. Now we want to look at, as the title of our message indicates, what the source of this wisdom is. We know that wisdom is knowledge that is applied to our lives. 
But what is the source of that wisdom? Well, James, in our text this morning, speaks of four different sources, if you look at the verse closely. And you look at verse 15. The first one he lists is from above. The source of wisdom is from above. But then he lists three different sources contrary to from above, from God. Earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. As I look at this verse, I see these as, yes, three different sources of wisdom that is contrary to the wisdom of God. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 13, it says, The gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. You see, there's only one way to, true, to obtain true wisdom, and that's from God. One way. But Satan provides many different ways to try to lure us away from that one true source of wisdom. And James has listed three here. Let's look at those three first. You look at earthly. You know, what is an earthly source of wisdom? B- basically, it's worldly. And I would kind of interpret it myself as saying it's you're looking to other people. You're looking to other human beings to validate your wisdom, to be a source of your wisdom, to keep yourself in check. And if I line up with the majority, then I'm wise. And Satan would try to trick us into that and have us line up with people who are not of God. So I believe that's who James is talking about. What James is talking about as a source of wisdom. Earthly is the opinions of others. And you look at people who have went into politics and who have been corrupted because they're trying to just stay in office. So they'll do whatever it takes to get the, comp, to get the popular vote. Or it may be just within your small group of friends in, in a circle of peer pressure that you kind of want to go with the majority opinion so that you still have friends. I see that as a source of earthly wisdom. Another source, the second source he lists is unspiritual. And the way I would interpret that is something that's based completely on the physical, based on the things that we can know in this world, in the Again, in some wisdom and some knowledge that's been passed down from human beings, things that we can observe, things that we think we know, you know, unspiritual. It's, it's not God speaking to our spirit. It's us interpreting our environment and basing all of our wisdom, all of our understanding on just what we can know within our flesh. And the reality is, wisdom that comes from above is communicated to our spirit through the Holy Spirit. So I believe that's what he's talking about when he says an unspiritual source. And then the final, one of the three that he lists is demonic. And the basic definition of the word demonic here is an evil spirit. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, it says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places from above. I believe what he's talking about when he says demonic is Satan has demons among us that are trying to direct us and Satan is trying to direct us through them. And I believe he tries to speak into our lives and misdirect us, mislead us and give us a false sense of heavenly wisdom. And I believe that's what he's talking about. So that's just kind of summarizing these three contrary sources of wisdom that James has listed. Now, we do want to look at the from above. Now, the true, the actual source of godly wisdom, the true source of true wisdom. In James chapter 1, going back to the first chapter of James, verse 5, 
It says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. What a promise. Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. Fear of the Lord, the respect of God is the beginning of wisdom, to know that He is the true source of wisdom. Proverbs chapter 2, verse 6. For the Lord gives wisdom. From His mouth come knowledge and understanding. True wisdom comes only from God. Okay, so we've looked at the source. We looked at what wisdom was. We've looked at the source. And now we want to look at the effect or what wisdom actually looks like. And that's what James is trying to get across is you know, what wisdom really looks like to us. And you go to verse 16. And James says, For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. What is driving our world, the secular world today? It's jealousy and it's selfish ambition. Ambition is, is qualified there, isn't it? It has that adjective describing it. It's a selfish ambition, a self-motivated ambition. You know, we can have ambition that is motivated by God. But he is specifically talking about self, selfish-centered, self-centered, selfish ambition that is motivated by our desires, our wants, what we consider our needs. That's what James is talking about. And he's talking about what that results in. He says there'll be disorder in every vile practice. Does our world not appear to be getting more and more in a state of disorder? And it's because of where the world is looking for its wisdom. You know, we look at our nation and what it was founded on, and as you look at history, you see that it was founded on Christian values, and we've gotten so far away from that. And we see the disorder. We see the, the arguing, the fighting that's going on as we're all driven by what we want and not by what is the best for the greater good. I was reminded uh, last year, and I may have shared this with you before, but it just really spoke to me. You know, we consider our government a democracy. When a pure democracy, everything is based simply upon a popular vote. And that was not the original intent of our founding fathers. <coughs> our founding fathers' desire was that our nation would be a republic, and that the core values of our nation would be driven by simply what is right and what is wrong. And they based that on Scripture. They based that on the nature and the character of God, not upon the popular vote of sinners. That was wisdom. But sadly, we've gotten away from that, and we went back to a quote-unquote popular vote. But we've seen how different ways that that has been corrupted and we see what we're getting as a result of that. All, the people are driven, as I said, by their selfish ambitions. What were the sources again of the, the, the bad sources of wisdom? The, the sources are contrary to God. It's earthly. It's unspiritual. It's demonic. In Philippians chapter 3, verse 19, we again see the result. It says, Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly. They're driven by their own physical desires and wants. And they glory in their shame. 
Is our world today glorying in their shame? Are they looking for attention because of their shame? Are they being proud because of their shame? I think we see it all over the place, don't we? Their minds are set on earthly things. You see, if we don't truly have an eternal perspective, if we're only focused on this world, then our only source of wisdom by our own limitation is earthly, is unspiritual, is demonic. So when we set our minds simply on earthly things, am I going to have a better job? Does so-and-so like me? So-and-so mistreated me. If we keep our mind on the things of this earth and the circumstances we're in and the things that we face and the things that we want, we're not going to be able to live in wisdom. We're going to be driven by our own selfish ambitions and wants. Man's wisdom corrupts. It's that simple. Wisdom that is based on earthly things, on spiritual things, demonic things, has no life. It does nothing but corrupt. It does nothing but destroy. Going to verse 17 of James chapter 3, it says, But the wisdom from above does what? It says it is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. Do you see these traits in people that you consider wise? Someone who you consider wise, someone who you can go to for advice, are they open to reason? When you think about open to reason, it doesn't mean they, they, they need to be convinced. It's like they're willing to hear your reason why you do what you do. And then after they've heard you, then they can speak into your life as to what they see may be a problem with that or what they may see that now they understand you a little better. But these are all traits and amazing traits that are listed here as someone who is wise. And I pray that you are looking for someone in your life who demonstrates these traits. I pray that you are looking to mature in your life to the point where you demonstrate more and more of these traits. It's a gift from God. It's not from anyone and their own abilities to achieve these things, but it's when they surrender their lives to the Lordship of Jesus Christ that they're able to display these traits of wisdom in their life. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 3. It says, For you are still of the flesh. For while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh? And behaving only in a human way. If jealousy and a strife exist among us, that is testifying in our lives that we are living in the flesh. We are living in a human way. That's what Paul's telling us. So I ask you this morning, what motivates you? Are you living for yourself? Are you living for your own selfish ambitions, your own desires? Or are you looking to the things of God? Are you looking to bring others into the kingdom of God? Are you living in wisdom? You see, we can understand what we're supposed to do, but if we don't do it, we're not wise. I laughed this morning about me climbing in that track hoe out behind the church. I know that's not a good idea. Am I wise enough to know not to do it? I pray that I am. And that's a simple example, but how many times do we know what to do, but in our flesh we fall, and we do what we know we're not supposed to do. We do foolish things rather than wise things. 
And there are consequences to pay for that. And as you heard me say before, it's not because God is waiting to bring the hammer down on us. It's not because He's wanting to crush us or destroy us or sit back and think, see how inferior they are to me. No, He brings, allows consequences to teach us, to bring us into a point of wisdom so that, when, so that we can apply the knowledge that we have as we read and as we study. And we should do those things. We should hide the Word of the Lord in our hearts. So that when situations arise, we can pull them to our memory. And by the Holy Spirit, God can bring those back to us. Remember when you read this. Remember when you were taught this. This applies to this situation that you're in the middle of. That's wisdom. Someone can, like I said, can just have all kinds of knowledge, but have no idea how to apply it to their life. No practical application in their life. Wisdom is being able to practically apply the knowledge that you have and to live life and function in a way that is honoring and glorifying to God, and in a way that is edifying to your own life, that is strengthening to your own life, that is bringing maturity to you. That's wisdom. Well, this morning now we've looked at what wisdom is. We've looked at the source, the true source, the only source of godly wisdom, of life-bringing wisdom, is God himself. We understand the effect of the two kinds of wisdom. We understand that wisdom that does not come from God brings destruction, brings corruption. We understand that wisdom from God brings life, brings eternal life. We understand that our need is to have an eternal perspective and to be able to look past the things of this life. Now, someone who lives a wise life doesn't just sit and do nothing in this life, but they're able to apply the knowledge that they have to live an overcoming life. And again, you've heard me say before, that doesn't mean that everything's going to be all cherry pie. It's not going to all be good for us. But it means when trials do come our way, we have the ability to trust God through them and see what God is doing through them and not to be crushed and destroyed and to be beaten down by the trials that we face, but to live in strength and victory over whatever those trials may be. That's wisdom. How do we obtain that wisdom? Well, the first thing we do is acknowledge the true source. We confess that we can't do it. We can't read enough. We can't get enough experience. We can't get enough degrees to be wise. We have to acknowledge that the source of wisdom is God. And I stress again, that doesn't mean we stop seeking knowledge. That doesn't mean we stop seeking to learn. That means we learn under the umbrella of the Holy Spirit guiding us and revealing to us how to apply that to our lives, how that to, to apply that to the service of Christ. We understand that the power to live an overcoming life, the power to bring others into, king, into the kingdom, the power to live eternally with Christ, the ability to be righteous enough to go into heaven, which is, the righteousness to go into heaven is a perfect righteousness. Flawless, sin-free, cannot be attained on our own strength, but can only be obtained by the gospel. And the gospel is that God sent His Son, His perfect Son, to live on this earth for 33 years, to be persecuted and murdered, and to be in the grave for three days, and then to rise in victory and life over death. 
the first thing we have to acknowledge when we're looking for true godly wisdom is to acknowledge that source of the power, the source of the wisdom, and to acknowledge that there is nothing within us. Remember, for the Lord gives wisdom. Not Walmart, not some university. The Lord gives wisdom. The second thing we have to do is we just have to ask. We have to ask for wisdom. He says, if any of you lacks wisdom, ask God. It's that simple. God, I don't understand. Show me the answer. Now, that may not come that minute. It may take time. God may very well teach us wisdom through our waiting. Because His ways are not our ways. He is so much bigger than we are. He is so perfectly loving of us. But as Scripture simply says, ask. Ask for wisdom and it will be given to you. In verse 14 of chapter 3 of James, basically what he's telling us is to be real. He says, if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do what? Do not boast and be false to the truth. If you struggle with selfishness, if you struggle with your own ambitions, don't try to hide it. Take it to God and say, God, this is who I am. I am a wretched person. I've been trying to do things to gain things for myself. I've had my own best, what I thought was my, my best wants, needs in mind. And I wasn't thinking of others. I wasn't thinking of you. One of the greatest tools to obtaining wisdom is admitting that we need it. Admitting that we are so far from it. We have to call sin, sin. We have to speak to God what we see in our hearts, what we, what we know is sin, what we know is contrary to His nature, what we know is harmful to those around us, to those within our circle of influence. We have to call sin, sin. See, that's the fear of God. That's the respect of God and saying, God, these are things in my life that are contrary to your nature, that are contrary to a life of obedience with you. So what is the beginning of wisdom? The fear of God that respect of God and understanding that He accepts nothing less than perfect. Now, He's given us the means to achieve perfection, but in the meantime, when we're seeking wisdom, it's identifying when He puts His finger on sin in our lives, it's our obedience and our willingness to repent of that, to turn from it and call it what it is and call it sin. What motivates you this morning to do what you do? Is it selfish ambition? Is it pride? Just go through any list of sins. We talked about them earlier when we were in Galatians. Are those the things that motivate you? Or is it a desire to serve the one who created you? What motivates you? You see, sin is what clouds our wisdom. When we are willing to be honest and say, this is sin in my life, I call it sin, but I don't have the strength to overcome it. I take it to God and say, God, please help me with this. And as we are faithful in taking that to God and calling sin, sin, we clear up our spiritual eyes. We are able to see more clearly the wisdom of God, to see what God is asking us to do, see what God is teaching us to do. Remember, where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, and that comes through earthly, unspiritual, and demonic sources. And remember, earthly is to please people. Unspiritual is to look what I can do in the physical. Demonic 
is Satan through his minions attempting to destroy us and speak death into us instead of life. And then we have another option, and the only option is from above, from God. Going to verse 18. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. True wisdom brings peace. The sown in peace that is sown in meekness, not as we're out there trying to be bulls in a china shop, as we're trying to speak into each other's lives, but as we go to each other in meekness and gentleness, calling sin, sin in our lives and, and acknowledging when we've messed up in our relationships with other people, in our lives as trying to live an obedient life to Christ. That's all part of meekness. As we live in meekness and as we seek to purge sin from our lives to take it to God, we grow in meekness. We grow in wisdom. What a gift that is. And the, the more ability we have to identify these false sources of wisdom, the more ability we have to see when we're depending on the opinions of others, to see when we're depending on our own skills, our own natural abilities, to see when we have received and accepted and believed the lies that Satan has spoken to us. God is faithful in helping us grow and mature. He is faithful in bringing us further and further in His wisdom. And yes, it comes through knowledge. It comes through experience. But it's all under the umbrella of the influence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. I pray this morning that you are seeking clear spiritual eyes to identify the wisdom of God in your lives. I pray this morning that you can look back over your life and identify how you have grown from 10 years ago, from 5 years ago, from a year ago, maybe even from a week ago. And how you can see more clearly now how to face life. And not to be burdened by that and in, in the fact that there's things you still don't know, but to know that your God is faithful to continue to teach you and to bring you wisdom as you need it because He loves you that much. Let's pray. Father, we come before you this morning. God, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, for the gift of wisdom. God, my prayer this morning is that as we continue to learn in this life, as we continue to learn things through education, through reading, through experience, Lord, that we don't just receive them as empty knowledge, Father. God, but we bring them to you and we surrender our lives to you and that by the influence of your Holy Spirit upon our lives, God, that we can turn that knowledge and apply it and, and bring it into wisdom, Lord, that we can know how to respond when things come up in our life that we can know how to respond to temptations, that we can know how to respond to the trials of other people, that we can have wisdom in raising our children, that we can have wisdom in communicating with other people, that we can respond in the way that you would respond, Lord, in the very nature of God, Father. Lord, I pray for that wisdom. I ask for it for myself. You say, if we ask, we receive. I ask for it for myself, Lord, for your wisdom, Lord, not for my glory, not for my honor, not for my gain. And then if it is for that, Lord, that you will re reveal it to me. But Lord, I ask for it for the, the privilege to glorify you and to honor you, God. I ask for it for this congregation, Lord, that each person here, sitting here this morning, each person listening to this message this morning, Lord, would search their lives and would be able to identify the sinful motivations in their life. Maybe where they're depending on earthly things, the, the opinions of others, or unspiritual things, things in the natural, their own abilities, or demonic things, lies that Satan is speaking to them, Lord, that they 
through your guidance, we'll be able to identify these things and they will be able to look to the true source of wisdom, Father. The amazing gift that you give us through your love for us, through your Holy Spirit, ministering to our spirits, Father. My prayer this morning, Lord, is that this church will have eyes that are open, that we will grow together in wisdom, Lord, and to know how to respond in the very nature of God to the trials and the challenges that we face in this life, Lord. And we thank you for the gift that you give us to be able to do that, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Would you please join us in singing Leaning on the Everlasting Arms? The lyrics will be on the screen. Mm -hmm. 